Welcome to Firefighting in Canada, the podcast. You've tuned in for compelling conversation on hot topics impacting Canada's fire service. From Hope, BC, I'm Fire Chief Tom DeSorcy. For those that know me, they, they know that I'm a proponent of the association in the fire service. And by that, I mean by the leaders uh, learning and growing uh, through working with fire associations. And uh, today we are here to talk with uh, with uh, about associations, it's a pleasure to uh, introduce uh, from Halifax the fire chief, uh, and also now the new uh, president of the IAFC, the International Association of Fire Chiefs, Ken Stubig. Chief, welcome. Thanks for thanks for doing this today. Thank you so much, uh, Chief DeSorcy. Uh, if you're okay with that, maybe we can use each other's first names for Absolutely. our conversation today, Absolutely. just to keep it a little <laughs> less formal. I, I you know uh, something it, it's great as I say to talk to people and and as I, as I do this podcast that's been one of the saving graces I think in the last uh, 12 months or more to to talk to my colleagues and to say to have you come on on and talk about uh, associations and the fire service I want you to introduce yourself to those that may not know who Ken is in terms of how you got involved in this crazy industry of ours sure thanks for that and certainly thank you for allowing me to join you today and be part of the legacy that you're, you know, sharing with uh, our colleagues across the, this country and abroad. So Ken Stubing, um, currently the executive director and fire chief in Halifax region, uh, which is in Nova Scotia, beautiful area to live. Been here for just over four years, time flies. And obviously half of that time, as we had talked about before we started recording was you know, over this last couple of years during the COVID situation. So it's remarkable that I've been here for four plus uh, years now. Um, certainly excited about living in this fantastic area of the country. My responsibilities in this portfolio include managing our fire service, which is, uh, is a bit of a unique creature in that we're a metro department, which means we have you know, over 370 some odd career firefighters. So we have over about 500 for simple math. Uh, but we're also a composite department, which, you know, is pretty rare. We don't have a lot of metro departments in Canada to begin with. I think we have 13 or 14 of them. Uh, the last one being Vaughn just became a metro department just before COVID actually. Uh, but to be a, a metro department and a composite department, is definitely unique. So we have a large contingent of volunteers as well, uh, over 500. Uh, we have many vacancies in our volunteer contingent, like many volunteer fire departments. So we could conceivably have another 300 or so volunteers if our recruitment efforts were as uh, successful as we would like them to be. Uh, and we cover 5,500 square kilometers. So we are a large, large geographical area uh, with career and volunteer members, uh, 50 some odd stations, some of which are full-time only, some of which are or you know full-time or career members only, some of which are volunteer only, but a large portion of them are composite stations. And we have uh, urban environment, so a metro urban department uh, responsibilities, we also have suburban, a large suburban area. We have a rural area and we have a rural remote area. 
So uh, it's, for example, for me to get from our headquarters to our farthest station would probably be uh, about two and a half to three hours as fast, you know, with lights and sirens to get there. And then obviously that's in all directions. We, you know, have similar challenges that volunteer departments have, similar challenges that large urban metro departments have in that we deal with train disasters, car accidents, fires, large uh, vertical uh, expansion with high rises going up at the rate of wide open. I think we are considered the second fastest growing community in Canada now. Uh, I think we're exceeded only by Vaughan, if I remember correctly. So we are in a growth phase in the municipality, which certainly causes some challenges for the municipality as a whole, getting out in front of that growth. It's not new. Uh, it's not something they're used to dealing with. Um, so from a department perspective, it is really important that we understand the resources that we have at our disposal to address those community risks, i.e. career and volunteers, and have them collaborate and work together as much as possible. Uh, also responsible for emergency management for the municipality. And during COVID, that certainly has been a priority of ours in managing the return to work program for the municipality and uh, supporting the CIO uh, in this last uh, two years during the COVID response. And it's funny because it's not necessarily something the fire chief would have seen falling under their area of responsibility, but historically I've been uh, a paramedic chief and a paramedic in before coming here. So the good news is I actually had experience with uh, SARS in Toronto personally as a manager and a responder, which was very helpful in this response uh, for the municipality as far as the pandemic goes. But outside of the initial concerns of COVID, it's also a financial crisis. So for all of our municipality, there was a recast budget that we had to do, which certainly was a financial challenge for all of us. So besides being a healthcare crisis, COVID ended up becoming a, a bit of a financial crisis for the municipality. Now we've managed well through that, but we're coming out the other side of the tunnel and need to kind of get back up and get things moving because the economy's starting to move, things are starting to open up and people are returning to work and the municipality needs to get back to doing business and supporting our communities. Did the service slow down for you uh, during COVID from a response uh, side? So it's a good question. Uh, our numbers, we haven't got all our numbers in yet. Uh, we do an annual report every year and we will be comparing year to year. Certainly our medical calls dropped um, largely because we get our medical calls from the EMS dispatch. So they come into 911, which is a joint fire and police dispatch center, then go over to EMS. And if EMS wants us, they call us. We were tooled up. And when I say tooled up, I, we had all our PPE, we had all our training, we had all our procedures ready to go for COVID. And we're told that we would not be affected by COVID, that they were going to continue to utilize our department. We represent about half of the province. Uh, you know, that's very vaguely speaking when it comes to calls and response area and numbers. Um, but when they turn the switch off from the dispatch center to all fire first responders, our calls got turned off at the same time. And that was not originally in the plan. But uh, when we started talking to uh, 
EMS uh, and EHS, Emergency Health Services, which is the province that manages EMS, they told us, don't worry, we'll get you turned it back on quickly. Well, quickly ended up being months and months and months. And uh, certainly our folks were fairly anxious to get out and help people wherever possible. Um, but I can tell you certainly that we did see a slowdown in our medical responses. Uh, but we did see an uptick in some other calls because people were at home and doing business a little bit differently. Uh, so we don't know where we're at totally with our numbers until we do that crunch of numbers near the end of the year. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say congratulations on the uh, appointment as the president of the IAFC. And uh, that's a huge, uh, a huge step in terms of responsibility or, or is it where, where does that lie in your, uh, in your list of things to do? Uh, again, it, you know, thank you so much for that. And certainly an honor and a privilege to be able to fulfill the role of president for the international association, international association of fire chiefs, but it's really, you know, a matter of being, you know, asked, you know, to take on that responsibility. It was not in my career aspirations to do that, which is kind of the way it happened in the Canadian as well. So just go back because it's all a set of dominoes that connect. Somebody was unable to fill their term in the Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs Board of Directors, and the president had the latitude to appoint somebody to fill that position for the remainder of the term until the next election. So I got a call many, many, many years ago, probably too many for us to count, but I was a deputy in Winnipeg at the time and the president of the Canadian Association, who was Chief Burrell at the time, asked if I would consider joining the board of directors for the Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs. I was blown away that I got a call out of the blue asking to do that. I was uh, an avid CAFC member, attended the conferences, got a lot out of that from a professional development and networking perspective personally. And when I was asked to fulfill that term, I certainly said absolutely after I was kind of blown away with the request and rolled up my sleeves and jumped in with both feet. Uh, you know, and then following that I was elected by the membership to continue on in that role. Eventually that role was the secretary for the CFC which fulfills the secretary duties for the IFC. So that became my introduction to the IFC. I was already a member of the IFC, but not in a formal leadership role with the organization. So I had taken over the role and responsibilities for the IFC secretary. That ended up being a succession plan for the IFC director position at the time was held by Chief Dehouge. Uh, Chief Dehouge uh, retired and asked if I would consider the director's position for the IFC. So I went from the IFC secretary to the IFC division director, which is another position on the CFC board at the time. And, uh, and then eventually uh, was asked when there was a vacancy in the second vice president of the IFC position, if I would consider taking on that role by the president of the IFC. So I did not, you know, plan to do that role. Normally people put their name in years in advance to be considered for a second vice president's position of the, of the IFC. And then they transition to the first and then to the president and they, you know, go out and uh, plat you know, develop a platform about why they're interested in being elected. And that certainly was not how it happened with me. So I had 
totally not planned on this in my career. Uh, I'm certainly honored to serve in that, uh, in that role right now, uh, after serving as the second and the first vice president. Uh, and this August was sworn in uh, as the, the president, as you know. But it is a unique time to be a president under COVID situations. So both myself and my two predecessors were affected by COVID. And what I mean by affected by COVID is normally the position has a lot of speaking engagements and travel to get out and meet the various components of the, the association, the sections and the divisions and the membership. But most of those activities have been virtual. So certainly I've not traveled since I've been in the role and I acted in the role for a few months before I was sworn into the position. Uh, I'm looking forward to late at the end of the tunnel with COVID, you know, loosening up restrictions on travel, not only for my IFC uh, networks and responsibilities, but even to meet my colleagues across Canada. As you know, we've not been able to see each other face to face for some time with the Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs. Uh, I was a very unique situation where when I was sworn in as the second vice president by Chief Ludwig, it was actually at a CIFC conference in, uh, uh, I think it was BC, it might have been Alberta, I can't remember, um, but it certainly it was an honor to do that in front of my peers in the CAFC. Um, but, you know, since that time, it's really been uh, meeting people like you and I are meeting here today virtually and bringing greetings on behalf of the association and trying to fulfill the terms of the office doing that at distance. So I think we've all learned to be able to do that. It's not unique to the position, but uh, certainly looking forward to being able to see people face to face. And I think there's a lot of excitement from Canada that it's been a long time since the Canadians been in the role, I think about 38 years or something. So, uh, and I think there's been seven people before myself who were Canadian presidents over the 148 years of the IFC. What so is certainly the an honor and privilege. What is the mandate of the IAFC? I mean, I, I, you know, get to know the, got to know obviously a number of years ago, the Canadian Association, and it, it represents the Canadian Fire Service as the voice of the Canadian Fire Service. Is that equal in terms of the international? Is it, is, is it truly international around the world or concentrated on larger countries? So certainly uh, the, the strategic vision is to lead, educate and serve. Um, but obviously that's about connecting fire service leaders internationally. Uh, I would say, you know, there's a saying that, you know, a lot of Canadians have Canadian, the Canadian division. So there are eight geographical divisions. Canada is one of the geographical divisions. All the other divisions are in the U.S. There's a saying that we have in Canada uh, for members who were members of the IFC, Canada puts the I in IFC uh, as the international division, but certainly there are many other members that are part of the IFC from Mexico, Latin America, uh, South America, Africa, Europe, Asia, Australia, many, many, many countries across the world. And there are many different parts of the IFC. So while there's only one other country that has an international division, uh, there are also sections of the IFC. So sections are basically like special interest groups. So you could have, you, know, you could be a member of the EMS section. If EMS interests you, there's a hazmat committee, there's uh, the volunteer combination officer section, uh, the health and safety survival section. 
but one of the biggest sections is the metro section. So although Canada only has 13 or so metro departments, there are a lot of metro chiefs from across the world that are members of the metro section. So it's really, you know, fulfilling the role of the CAFC as far as, you know, opportunities to educate, network, and liaise with your colleagues, in this case, from across the world. And it may be in an area of interest that you are very interested in, in a, in a section like what we talked about with HAZMAT or EMS, uh, or it might be at a general conference uh, where you are in a leadership development program that will see you being developed as a future leader for the organization. But they also fulfill the US requirements for the fire service and advocate for the fire service with the government in the United States. So there certainly is a unique role there where as the president of the IFC as a Canadian, and it's clear when they meet me, I, sorry, I'm pointing at the wrong side. Uh, <laughs> it's clear when they see my uniform that I'm not from the US, but I might be meeting with people from the US government, whether that's swearing in a Dr. Lori Moore Merrill today uh, as the new uh, administrator, or new, you know, meeting with committees uh, for the government on whatever the issue of the day is, bringing testimony or uh, bringing information to the government from the fire service. So sometimes I'm flanked by uh, a member from the U.S. Fire Service, A, because of travel challenges right now because of COVID, or maybe because it's more important or as important to have a U.S. fire chief there as well as the president. When you when we talk to you know talk about the the shared problems if you will the shared challenges that we all have and it could be Hope BC it could be Halifax Nova Scotia it could be in the U.S. that uh, we talked earlier uh, about coming out of COVID and some of the challenges that we face and I think internationally is going to be an issue and that's about staffing we talked about you know the these these the need to have succession planning at our level and perhaps this may catch up on us sooner than later when we come out of this? Yeah, certainly, you know, on the volunteer sector side, attraction and retention has been an issue for the fire service. And that doesn't matter whether you're north of the border, the 49th parallel or south of it. The reality is that's something we both have in common. So anything that we could do in an international organization or in the CAFC in the national organization, which the CAFC just for many people who might not understand this, the CFC is the Canadian division in the IFC. So the CFC is uh, part of the IFC as a whole. That's why, you know, positions exist on their leadership team, either at the board of directors or on the national advisory committee. That is why there's so much value in collaborating because a lot of the issues are the same. So, you know, what you've brought up is, you know, succession planning. So in the volunteer sector, that's kind of from the boots level on the ground, attraction and retention, officer development and retention in the volunteer sector is as important as the firefighter uh, retaining ability. But there's also things like wildland urban interface, you know, extreme weather events. The reality is whether you're north or south of the border, you could be affected not only by the same topic, but the same incident. So fires cross a border without caring about whether or not they're crossing a border. Uh, so 
certainly this last summer was a great example of, you know, fire, wildland fires in BC and also down the west coast of the US. And, you know, we used to talk about a fire season. The reality is there is no such thing as a fire season anymore. You might get a little break between, you know, peaks in fires, but the reality is fires can happen anytime now in North America uh, for wildland fires. And that's certainly becoming a challenge with, uh, with the environment that we're seeing change in front of us with uh, global warming. And, and more to the uh, succession planning discussion where, you know, COVID had an effect not only on the recruitment and the retention of, the, of our world, my world and the volunteer world, but certainly in terms of people used to, uh, got used to working from home, not necessarily in the fire service, but in the, uh, in the workforces, in the offices. And a lot of them are not necessarily going back. And, and you, were, you wonder about uh, what's left for, uh, for leaders in terms of the fire service. Is that going to be a problem moving forward? I think, you know, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. And I can't remember what the numbers were exactly, but some time ago, I would say upwards of five years ago, somebody did um, some work to take a look at succession planning in the fire service. And at the time, they said it was a very high portion of the chief officers that were going to be retired in the fire services in the next five years. So for chief officers, they meant not just chiefs. They meant chiefs, deputies, assistant chiefs, division chiefs, platoon chiefs. Uh, so that whole middle rank and upper rank structure in the fire service, well, that, that literature was shared five years ago and their sunset on that was five years. So the reality is we're already there. We might've seen a little bit of pause in some of those departures because of COVID, as we had mentioned, people couldn't really go anywhere, they couldn't travel, they didn't want to leave the department in alert. Uh, we didn't see a lot of mass exodus during COVID, but personally, I can tell you, we are getting very concerned about our succession planning as a department because we are expecting, you know, everything from senior firefighters and captains up through our rank structure right up to our executive team who are going to be retiring in the next one to two years or five years at a far horizon. So succession planning is real for fire services. And I think the other challenge we have is um, I'm not too sure some of the generations have the same reasons for wanting to become a chief that uh, other people did. So we need to make sure that the jobs that are in our chief officer positions or our officer positions throughout the fire services are ones that resonate with our incoming firefighters and generations because for them, they're motivated differently than baby boomers were. So uh, I think it's important that fire services react to that and respond to that so that when that need comes to fill the de department positions, they have some interested and good candidates the reality is there are plenty of junior firefighter positions, and I don't mean junior as in their age, I mean where they sit in the organizational structure that can do the job. We just need to make sure that job is something that they're interested in doing. And what, what role do you see uh, an association, be it a provincial, be it the Canadians, be it the international, what role does an association play in our future of the fire service? Oh, great question. So uh, I think you and I are very aligned on what an association can do for an organization, but also an individual. 
So as an individual, there's an opportunity to help expand your horizons on meeting people from other departments, other walks of life, uh, expose you to networks and mentors that you might not otherwise get from a professional development and a networking perspective. But organizationally, the same applies. So as an organization, I support my members being members of professional associations so they can develop their own networks. They can see the benefits of what their development will bring them individually, and they can develop mentors outside of our department. I'm certainly more than happy to mentor and uh, support our own members as they go through their development. But the reality is there are better mentors than me throughout the fire services and ones that might resonate with other individuals that are better than myself, whether that's because they're from a different equity group or have similar personal interests. The reality is you can develop within your department, but you can also develop outside your department. And it's good for the individual and it's good for the department for that to happen. So certainly I support it organizationally and I support it personally, as you can see. Ken, I thank you for your time today. I, I appreciate this. I know uh, I, I look forward to the time when we can actually do this again face to face. Yeah, me too. And I uh, certainly appreciate the opportunity to come and uh, have a conversation today with you on your podcast. Um, my hope is that, you know, we'll get a couple of people thinking about associations who are not currently members and say, well, maybe there is some value in uh, going to that conference that's in my neck of the woods next year or two so certainly that opportunity looks like it's going to start to happen again soon. looking forward to seeing you my friend thank you yes ken thanks and we'll talk again stay safe thank you for joining firefighting in canada the podcast visit firefightingincanada.com for more episodes